much uh, for this day, this chance to seek you together, another beautiful day, God, and we come with a sense of expectation, anticipation, because every week, God, we're sensing you move. Every week, we're sensing you meet us. Every week, there's a time of encounter here. As we come, whether it's in worship or in the Word, we're sensing your voice, we're sensing your presence. Today is no exception to that. God, we, we realize today is the next step in this journey with you, and so we invite you to come. Be our teacher as you'd speak to ancient Israel so long ago at Mount Sinai, and you come with power. We pray you'd come today and speak to us and talk to us about this important topic of what it looks like to be a passionate Christ follower, part of a, a community that's unleashing a movement that is sharing Christ with the world. We pray for this in your name. Amen. Well, the story starts today back in uh, that's August, uh, last August, as it was, as it were, um, and uh, that was the first time she'd, she'd gone to church. Um, her name is Sarah. At least that's, uh, that's what I'm going to call her for today. But uh, it was last August, and, and there's kind of a long journey that had led her to the point. So let me kind of rewind. Uh, she'd not grown up in a highly religious home. She'd never been interested in God. It wasn't really her thing at all. Life was going well. She was happy. She had good friends. She had a great job. Um, and so there was no sense of big need or crisis in her life. And yet over time, there was an increasing sense of hunger for something more, that there has to be more to life. There's got to be meaning. There's got to be purpose. What's a life about? And about that point in time, she took a trip across the country with a couple of friends. She didn't really realize at the time they were Christians, but on the way, she found that out. And as they were traveling across the country, this one of these friends was a 21-year-old girl and who was just really passionate about her, life, her relationship with Christ and, and passionate about the Bible. And she just uh, kind of shared with, this, with Sarah uh, some of her story. And uh, Sarah thought it was really weird, frankly. It was kind of like... Like, why would someone who's 21 years old, has their whole life in front of them, be so passionate about God? She'd never known anyone like that. And at first she decided just to put up with her. You know, it's like, well, whatever. She's just young. She'll outgrow it. And, but, but as time went on, as her trip went on, she found herself more and more interested. She began to ask questions of her young friend, and she would give answers. And, and so then this trip ended, and she came back, and Sarah was training for a marathon. Now, she never, written a, never uh, ran a marathon before. She met a couple people who were uh, very cool people, and they were also passionate, just like her first friend, just kind of passionate and loved life. Um, and uh, they were kind, they were generous, they were selfless, and uh, they offered to help train her, help her. They, you know, she'd never, she'd never run a marathon before, help her learn how to run. Then she built a friendship with them and began running with them and so on. She found us where they're Christians too. And so after these four Christians had come into her life, coupled with this kind of increasing wondering what's life about. For about four months this was building until in August last year she decided she was going to go to church. So she planned, uh, wasn't really sure exactly where to go, but there was a, a smaller church that was by her and she went that day not knowing what to expect. It was kind of traditional, a little bit old-fashioned, couldn't really relate so well to what was happening she felt really awkward. You know, she wanted to go in and be like a fly on the wall. Just did not want anyone to know she were there. But in a smaller church, you know, you kind of stick out. You know how that is. And, and so um, she sat down and a woman offered to share her Bible with her, which felt really weird to her. And it was just a bad experience. And she wanted just to scream and run out. But um, she decided that would probably be inappropriate. So, uh, so she stuck it out, went through the service, thought, well, I'm never going back again. She went to work that week. She talked to another friend and told him of his experience. He said, well, you should try my church. What church should you go? I should go to the church of Rocky Peak. So 
Next week, she comes to Church of Rocky Peaks. This was August, last year, first time she walks in, not knowing anything what to expect. Man, it was not what she expected. It was uh, never been really been in church before. This was not it. In fact, let me, let me tell you how she describes it. This is her description. She says, uh, after telling my friend how I attended service on my own and didn't like it, he invited me to his church, to Rocky Peak. And so Sunday, I, I went to church with him, and no one asked me if I wanted to use their Bible. Thank you. <laughs> they sang great songs, and the pastor was just as casual as I was, jeans and flip-flops. I knew I was at home. I was the Jewish girl who growing up never knew God and never wanted to learn about him. Thank God he loved me enough to put people in my life that I appreciated. I later learned that all four of my friends were Christians. It was those qualities and their passion for Christ which led me to God. After six months of attending Rocky Peak, I decided to give my life to Christ. It's been the best decision I've ever made. I pray that as my friends made a great impact on me and led me to Christ, I can do the same for others. Isn't that awesome? Hey, you know what? You know what's really cool about that story? That's not the end of the story. That is just the start of the story. Uh, today we're continuing this series that we've been in now, what, for the last couple months. It's uh, the Movement Rocky Peak. For those of you who are brand new, I always like to stop bringing you up to speed real quick. It's uh, Series about our vision, our values, our strategies. What we believe God's calling us to as a church. And there in your note sheet, you have a, this brief purpose statement, mission statement, vision statement that kind of summarizes what it's all about. It's our vision that we believe God's kind of downloading, putting in our hearts, is to unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers. We're doing four things. We're pursuing God. In other words, God is our, our first love, He's our highest priority. He's our deepest passion. We're, we're a church that's going to run after him, know him, experience him, love him, follow him, please him. That's who we are. Uh, number two, that we're going to be loving people in radical ways that he's loved us. Number three, we're going to be serving sacrificially. We talked about that last week. And then today we come to this fourth objective of sharing Christ, and that's our topic. And I think the best way to get in this, if you take your, uh, your programs in, or your white sheets and turn them over, the best way to get at this, you see a section called Sharing Christ, What's the Story, is I, I want to start today with a passage of Scripture, something Jesus said after his resurrection. It's in Matthew chapter 28. Now, if you're a longtime Christ follower, uh, you probably have heard of this passage. It's, it's got a title. It's called The Great Commission. Uh, but some of the last words of Jesus, you know, after his resurrection, Jesus showed up for the next 40 days off and on. And we, we don't know as much about these uh, time period as we wish we did, but there's just several snapshots the Bible gives us. He'd show up. One time there was even 500 people there who saw him at one time and had this encounter. He would eat with people. He would teach. He would do different things, kind of preparing them for him to leave. And so this is one of those times where he's talking about the future of the movement and what it means to be a Christ follower and what our assignment is as Christ followers. And so in Matthew 28 and verse 20, it goes like this, verse 18, rather. He says, Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So what he's saying is now that I've died, I've resurrected, God has put the whole universe under my leadership. I am in charge of the whole universe. What's in the heavens, the unseen realm, on earth, the seen realm, that I'm in charge of the universe. And he says, so all authority for the entire cosmos has been given to me. And therefore, he says, I say to you, as leader of the cosmos, uh, he says, what I say to you 
is I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. And so a disciple is just the common word in the New Testament for a Christ follower. We'd call it Christian. It says go and make disciples or followers of all nations. And the first thing you do is you're going to baptize them. And so this is what happens. When a man or a woman comes to the place in their life, they believe Jesus is who he claims to be. He's the Son of God. That he died for their sins. That he rose to give them a new life that one day could live with him. When a person comes to that place and they want to follow this Jesus, the very first step is baptism, right? This is where you step over the line and you say, yes, I'm a follower. I'm leaving my old life behind. I want to follow Jesus. The very first step. So he says, hey, make followers. First step, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the triune God. And then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So catch this. The whole purpose of following Jesus is to become like Jesus. We don't just share the message of Christ, get people saved, and then say, great, you're on your way to heaven. No, the purpose is to become like him. After they start that journey, now our job is to teach them how to obey everything he's taught us. That's the whole purpose of them, to become like him, and then we'd be a church just learning how to obey. That's why we gather every week. That's why we talk every week, where we're, we're gathering in our life groups and all to help each other obey. Right? That's what it means to be a Christ follower. We're not church goers, we're Christ followers. We're learning how to follow. And he says, and then, and he says, and, and by the way, surely I'm with you always, even to the end, the very end of the age. So as you go out and as you share the message of the movement of Jesus, I will be with you every step of the way. That's the context. Okay? And so so today, so as we talk about this, I think the, the point is, is that. When a man or a woman gives their life to Jesus, we become a part of his movement. A movement, and we, we have this assignment to take the message and movement of Jesus to the, everyone who hasn't heard, so that everyone has a chance. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. This is the core. Now, we have different roles in this. Just like if, uh, if you worked on a cruise ship, for example, you know, you'd have different roles. We all have different parts, but bottom line, we all share the same purpose. That's to make sure the customer has a great time right? And so in, in this movement of Jesus, we don't all have the same gifts and the same calling in this, but we all have the same responsibility, right? That we're, gonna, we're, that we're together, we're going to help people uh, come to Christ. And so today we want to talk about that. We want to talk about what, if we're going to unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers here, and at the core of that movement, one of our objectives or calling is to share the me- movement and message of Jesus. Uh, how are we going to do that as a church? What's our strategy? Are we going to have big evangelistic tent meetings? Are we going to buy buses and go door to door? Are we going to knock on doors? Are we going to go down and stand on the street corners? Like, what are we going to do to, uh, to, to embrace this calling in our life? And so there in your note sheet, you have a section called Sharing Christ, What's Our Strategy? And I want to just quickly go through four steps, of four key steps in our strategy. And these aren't the only steps, but these are the primary ones. So let's, let's jump in. Number one, the first step in our st- strategy is to grow. You might say, well, what do you mean to grow? I think that often when we think about sharing Christ, when you come to a message like today, you think about sharing Christ, that almost what you expect to hear is that I'm going to teach you how to do a slick three-minute sales pitch for Jesus, (laughs) right? Like some of you are getting nervous already. 
It's like, oh, no, you know, this is one of the, I know I'm going to feel ba- beat up and bad when I leave this message because I'm going to be learning. I need to be sharing Christ, and I'm not doing that, and I need to be talking to people, and I'm sitting by them on planes or bus stops or whatever, and I need to be aggressively, you know, kind of, uh, 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 you know, just kind of trying to convert people, and, and oh, no, here it comes. And I think that's often what we think. When we think of sharing Christ with people, we think of technique, well, we think of uh, uh, how do I answer their questions? What do I say? How do I say it? But here's what I want you to catch. That is not the first step in becoming an effective witness for Christ. The first step in becoming an effective witness of Christ is having a life that's contagious. You see? This is what it is. See, the, peop- the, the people in this world, people are hungry for people who have found a reason for live, to live. People are looking for who's got the passion in life, who's passionate in life, who's excited about life, who thinks they have life figured out. And we're going to be drawn towards those people, right? This is, the world is looking for people that think they've found the answer. And so the first step in sharing Christ is not learning techniques. The first step in, in following Christ is developing a passion for Christ and growing in Christ and and so that, and being transformed by Christ and becoming like Christ. So people say, man, I wish I had some of that. I wish, I don't know what it is about that person, but there's something about them that draws me. Are, are you with me in this? Are you following me? This is a story we started the day with. This story was uh, Sarah's story. I don't know if you noticed this, but this is what drew here. Jewish girl, hadn't been raised with a whole lot of religion, not interested in God, not interested in finding out about God, minding her own business in life. And then all of a sudden, she comes across in, within a year's time, about four Christians. They're passionate. They're in love with life. They're generous. They're selfless. They're giving. And she finds herself drawn to them. And as she's drawn to them, she becomes curious about their God. Are you with me in this? That if people don't like you, trust me, they don't want to know your God. Right? Like if you're like the most boring person in the world. There's no way they're going to come and say, man, you are so boring. My whole life, that's been my life goal, to be a boring person. And you just have it wired. You know, it it must be about your God. Could I know about your God so I could be boring like you are? You see? They're like, no one does that. See, people are drawn to people that, that are growing, that are being transformed, that are passionate about what's happening. And Does this make sense? There, there in your note sheet, there's this great quote from, uh, from Erwin McManus, and he's a pastor here in the L.A. area, and, and he says, when you make God your delight and your focus and your priority and your epicenter, then you can live an unrestrained, insane, exciting, passionate life. I guarantee you that's what people in this world are desperately looking for. They're looking for men and women who are fully alive, who can suck the marrow out of every moment. Those are the kinds of individuals that magnetically draw those who are lost to God. And that's exactly what Jesus does when we make him our first love. Now, this is what happened to Sarah. Let me read you a little bit more of her story. She says, my journey began while traveling with two of my girlfriends across the country. One of my friends shared with me her love for Christ. She spoke of the Bible and shared stories. Her passion radiated from her. I thought it was strange. She was much too young and much too cool to be a Christian. 
She was my friend, though, and I was going to love her through it. The more she spoke about Christ, though, the more questions I asked and the more I truly wanted to know. And that was just the beginning. As I continued to train and work out for my marathon, God blessed me with two great friends who were teaching me how to run. I learned they were incredible, passionate people. They were kind. They were giving. They were selfless. I'd not known people like this. I felt so blessed to have them in my life. I had four great friends who made such an impression on me. There was something special about them. Whatever it was, I wanted that. I wanted to exemplify qualities that they displayed. It was those qualities and their passion for Christ which led me to God. Are you with me? You're following this, okay? And so this is why this is what we, we always talk about this. Unleashing a movement of passion in Christ followers, first step is to pursue God, right? There's so many times in the Christian life we want God to bless us, bless my family, bless my dating life, bless my finances, bless my health. And, and we just want this really cool Christian life that's a blessed life, but we don't want God. You see? We 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 want all the blessings, but we don't want God. But when a man or a woman begins to pursue God and be transformed by God and get excited about God and who he is, guess what? People sit up and take notice. And they're going to want to know about this God that's made such a difference in my, in my life, in your life. Okay, so first step is we got to grow, right? That's, it always goes back there. <laughs> it always goes back. You want to have a great marriage? Grow, you know? You want to be successful? Well, Grow. It's like you can't avoid step number one. That's the reason why Jesus said there's the first and great commandment, love God with everything you have. There's a reason he said it that way, because that's the only way life works. Okay, number two. Number two, uh, it's not enough to grow in our own life. I mean, sometimes we think, hey, I'll just be uh, just kind of a growing person, and I'll be a good example, and I'll be like a silent witness for Christ. But that's not enough. People can't figure it out. They, they can't figure, they just think you're a cool person, you're a passionate person, wish you're like you, but if you don't at some point talk to them about Jesus, then, then they can never put it all together. So at some point, number two, we have to share. That's a, we've we've got to share what, what God's done in our life. Now, I, I'm guessing that for some of you, that you're kind of like me, that, that when someone begins to talk about sharing Christ, I mean, this is the point in the message, you start getting nervous, Right? This is the point where you're going, but this is not me. I can't do that. I'm, I'm introverted. I'm quiet. I'm shy. I can't talk about God. I, and so, oh, man, if this is what it means to follow Jesus, can I just die and go be with him right now? You know, uh, because I'm just, uh, I'm just not, that's not the way I'm wired in. Let me assure you that this is not that tough. Well, let me just, let me kind of walk you through this. I think often we have images in our mind of what it looks like to share Christ that are just so damaging, that really hold us back. Um, think back to the story of Sarah. Uh, there was this one woman in her life, this 21-year-old woman, who was very passionate about Christ. She, she was sharing what Christ had done in her life and so on on this trip. I think often in our minds, that's the image of what we should all be like. But the reality is that's not what God's calling us to. I'll, I'll bet you anything that that girl, that 21, has the gift of evangelism. How can you tell whether you have the gift of evangelism? Well, you have a passion for people coming to Christ. It's very natural for you to talk about Christ. And when you do it, you can do it in a winsome way that people really like it. It's like you're not like irritating people all the time, right? And so, but, but probably most of us don't have that gift. 
Now, here's the thing. If you do have that gift, you need to be using that gift because you're sort of like the special forces of the movement, right? And so if you have that gift, you need to be using that gift to its fullest because you're one of the primary ways that God's going to change the world if you have that gift, okay? But for the rest of us, say, who don't have that gift, um, here's how it works. We often think we have to be like that friend, and we don't. All we have to do is to be growing in our own life. And here's what happens. If you're growing in your own life, and you're excited about what God's doing, and, and he's, he's changing you, and you're, you're plugged in, and you're in this church, and you're growing, and you're in a life group, and you're growing, and, and, and God's teaching you things in his word, and, and if you're excited about it, guess what? People are going to notice. I promise you. The only way they will not notice is if you make it a point to hide it, right? Like if you make it a point to hide it, then they won't notice. Like if you're around non-Christian friends, you men- never mention a life group. You never mention church. You never, then they won't notice. But if you're just yourself and you just have an honest relationship with people like you would with anyone else, they're going to notice. And they're going to ask you questions at some point. At some point, they're going to ask you a question about, well, what's this like life group thing? You know, like you're always talking about your life group. And, and, and they're just asking for a little information. They're getting curious. And they're not really asking you for the whole dump load truck full, right? They're not really looking for it like this. Oh, you should see, you should come to my, my life group. It's amazing. We're all Christians. You know, we were once all sinners. But then we all got saved, and Christ has changed our life. And, you know, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and we came to that point, and we gave our life to him. And would you like to be saved too? Like, they're not looking for that, right? They just are curious, and they just want a little information, and so all you have to do is just give them a little information and say, yeah, you know, I love my group. I, I joined this last year. It's the greatest people. We're so much fun together. We get together every week. It's just they're awesome, you know. Well, what do you do? Well, we, we get together. We, we study the Bible some together. We pray together. We, we support each other. We have fun together. And it's just, it's like a little family. It's awesome. It's great. That's it. That's it. That's all they ask for. That's all we need to go. You see? They, uh, they're going to ask you, there's going to come times where they're going to come up to you in a time of crisis. Hey, I know you're, you're kind of a Christian and you pray. Could you, my mother's really sick right now. Could you, would you just, would you pray? You see, these things are just going to happen. I guarantee it. These kind of things are going to happen. Now, uh, so this is what the Bible says. What the Bible says is that we just need to grow. We need to pursue Christ. And guess what? People are going to ask questions. And when they do, we need to be ready to answer. Yeah, that's a strategy. And I, I want to show you this in the scriptures. Um, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. Towards the back of your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Now, Peter is talking to some Christians who are undergoing a lot of persecution for their faith. They're in a situation, they're under a lot of scrutiny. A lot of people are wondering, hey, why are you willing to suffer for this Jesus? Uh, why don't you just kind of recant? Why, why are you willing to suffer? And so there's a lot of attention on them of why, why they would be like they are. And uh, in verse 15, 315, so Peter's going to give them some teaching on how to share Christ in their situation. He says, first thing in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. He says, you're under persecution right now. I know it's tough, but first step is just to make sure you're going to be true to Jesus. You're going to follow him. He's your Lord. Uh, you're growing in your own life. And then he said, secondly, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who what? Asks. Now underline that. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. 
He does not say, go out and cram it down the throat of everyone who's not asking, right? He says, hey, you're in a tough situation. People are watching you. They're going to ask. Now, why are they going to ask? He says, well, they're going to ask you to give a reason for the hope that is in you. Like, why are you so positive? Why are you looking forward to the future? Why are you willing to suffer for Jesus' persecution? Why? What, what would make a person do that? I've watched you. There, there's a joy about you. There's a, like, why would you be, what is with this? He says, people are going to ask. And he says, when they ask, be ready to give an answer. Now, we can do that, can't we? We just give an honest answer. I think one of the most damaging things often that keeps us from sharing Christ is we have at the back of our mind this little three-minute sales pitch that we think we're supposed to give. Can I tell you something? In this day and age, people are not impressed with a Jesus sales pitch. People uh, really doubt Christianity. They doubt Christians. The last thing they want is a slick presentation. What they want to know is you're an honest, real, authentic person like they are, and you just give them an honest answer to their questions. And so he says, uh, so be ready to answer, and look what he says, but to do this with two things. What are they? Gentleness and respect. Are you with me in this? This is so important. He says, when they ask you, the right thing to say is turn or burn. Right? The right thing to say is, I can't believe you're a whatever. I'm a Christian and we are the right ones. Right? Is there any gentleness in that, any respect in that? No. We treat people with gentleness and respect. We love people like people. And someone says, what is it about you that is different or why do you go to that life group? Or, man, you're always talking about church. What's with it? Or Whatever the thing is, we just answer with gentleness and respect. We treat them with respect as human beings. We love them. We give them a respectful answer, a gentle answer. Let's look at another one. Go back to Colossians, the left a few books, Colossians chapter 4. Paul says something similar. That was Peter. Chapter 4. And verse 5, Paul says, uh, talking about sharing Christ, says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. He says, when you're around an outsider, a non-believer, a non-follower, when you're around an outsider, he says, be wise. Uh, because you want to make the most of the opportunity. You want to be on high alert. This person doesn't know Jesus. Uh, God may give you an opportunity to say something significant. So you want to be wise. Be wise in the way you're handling yourself, your, your attitudes, your, your program. Be wise. Okay? And he says, go on. He says, make the most of every opportunity. So he says, there are going to be times when you're with outsiders. There are opportunities. And there's not always opportunities. But there are times when there are opportunities. And when there's an opportunity, make the most of it. Now catch this. He doesn't say make more of the opportunity than there is. And you don't want to make less of the opportunity you want to make most of the opportunity. So you go back to this conversation and someone t- says about your life group. And it's, uh, I hear you talking. And you give them the short answer. That's all they asked for, right? 
you've made the most of the opportunity. But there are some people that are going to want to know more. There's a hunger in their heart to know more. They're, and so they're going to ask, they're going to say something like this. They're going to say, well, that's really cool. I'm glad that works for you. You know, I've never been religious. I'm not really interested in God, but I'm really glad that works for you. There's an opportunity now. They've taken it to the next level. You know, if you're Sarah, you say, well, you know, it's so funny because I'm the same way. You know, I, grew, I, I grew up in like a Jewish home, and, but we weren't real religious at all. I never really went to church and all, but... but about a year ago, I met these four people in my life who were just amazing people, and they all were Christians or Christ followers, and I began to explore that some. And they invited me to, to church, and I went to this church, and it's just, I, I can't tell you, my life has changed. It's just like, it's like night and day. It's, it's like it's been the coolest things that ever happened in my life. Now she's making the most of that opportunity, you see? And they might say, well, that's great. I'm glad that works for you. Good. We're done. We're done. Conversation's over, right? Because gentleness and respect, we're not going to knock down doors that aren't open. Right? We're just going to give them what they want. Leave them hungry. Let God work on that. Now, now we can do this, can't we? We can, do, we, we can do this. Just have honest conversation with people. Can I tell you something? The only way we don't do this is by being dishonest. The only way we don't do this is just by saying when people, we just don't, we just don't talk about our normal life. We don't talk about church. We don't talk when we're around. The, we don't talk about life groups. We don't talk about God. We don't talk about prayer. We don't talk. We don't bring anything up. And, and we have to pretend to be something we're not. That's the only way that people won't ask questions. You see? But if we're just who we are and it's a natural way with a real relationship, sooner or later they'll ask. And then we need to be ready to share. Now, this is so important that I think we need to grow in this as a church. If we're going to unleash this movement, it's a very important part of it. They're not only pursuing God, we're not only loving people. That, that paves the way for this. And we're not only serving sacrificially, but we're learning to share. And so I've talked to you about this, that um, in this, uh, this, this coming year, in the next couple of years, we're going to be developing some of these core courses to teach us how to pursue God and love people and serve sacrificially, and to share Christ. And in this first year, the first four courses we're going to develop is one for each of the pursuing God. And one of those courses is going to be on sharing Christ. Because here's what I believe. We are not all wired the same way in this room. Some of you extroverts, some introverts, some outgoing, some shy, some, some known Christ a long time, some a little time, some Christian home, some pagan background, uh, some of us gift evangelists, some not. And there's not one way to share Christ. There are many different ways. And we have to learn how God's wired us so that we can just n share Christ in a way that's natural and authentic for us. This is what the world's looking for. And I think we need some help with this. We need some instruction in this. We need some modeling in this. And so we're going to develop a, a course on sharing Christ that we want everyone in the church to go through just so that we can just like, kind of uh, just to learn how to be just kind of naturally uh, people who share Christ in a way that's winsome, authentic, that we can extend the movement of Jesus. Okay? So that's number two. And number three. The third step is to invite. Now, this is a, this is a very important step. Um, I, I don't know if you caught this, but in Sarah's story, there, what happened is four people God brought in her life. They shared their story a little bit. She began to get inquisitive. But there came a point where she was ready to begin to investigate this on herself and, and a critical turning point was when someone from Rocky Peaks, hey, why don't you come to my church? Why don't you, why don't you try it out? Right? And it was that step that was really opened the door. She came, 
God opened her eyes. After six months, she gave her life to Christ. She was baptized and so on, right? So, so often a critical step in this coming to Christ is someone inviting us. Now, the reason this is so important is in our day and age that most people have very negative and often very wrong stereotypes of what it means to be a Christian, a Christ follower church, right? And so if we could just get them here, I'm telling you, it's going to blow their minds. I just have every month a welcome dessert. I, every, we've got all these people coming to Rock Me the first time. It's like, this is not what I expected. And, and as they come in, and it's like everything's so different than they expected, all their stereotypes get blown apart. And when that happens, all of a sudden it's like, maybe I've misjudged Jesus too. And there's this wide open door for the Holy Spirit to come in and to work in their life. You know, we started the day with the story of Sarah. I told you it was not the end of the story. It was the start of the story. The day that Sarah came, she invited 12 of her family and friends to be her baptized. When she got, the day she got baptized, would you just come? You know, we're going to church. One cries, just, would you come to? So 12 of her family and friends just came to see that happen. One of the people that came was a woman she works with. Let's call her Heather, all right? So Heather is kind of had a spiritual hunger for God for some time. Didn't grow up with any church background. No, no spiritual kind of back, background. But she comes to the baptism, and she is blown away. Blown away by the service, blown away. And, and she can't get out of her mind all week long. She can't figure out, was it just the baptism or was it the service or what is it? So she actually approached Sarah and said, would it be okay if I came back to church with you? You know, even though it's not, she said, no, you can only come once. That's it. Um, there's a limit. Um, and so let me share Heather's journey, okay? So for years, I've been wondering about Rocky Peak Church, what it looks like, since I always drive by and see the sign up the 118. This opportunity came when my friend Sarah invited me to her baptismal on February 22nd. I was very anxious as I was not raised with any religious beliefs at all. I, I arrived early, so obviously a newcomer. Sorry. I sat down on the patio. I was pleasantly surprised at how beautiful the location of the church is and how friendly everyone was. People just coming up and saying, hello, good morning. I was not prepared for so many positive and friendly people, right? <laughs> Stereotype number one, boom, right? Once inside the church, I noticed it was not the tr traditional church I'd visited in the past with friends. There was a band set up and a large movie screen hanging above the stage. Sarah had told me it was a very relaxed atmosphere, and even the pastor wore jeans and sandals. Then the band started, wow, rock and roll, I immediately loved the music. Pastor Mike came out and started speaking the sermon, which to my surprise, I understood. <laughs> and I enjoyed it. Then testimonials from church members came. This was the white, the white couch interviews. And, and now I knew what the movie screens were for. The whole service was wonderful. So I left smiling all the way home. During that week after the baptismal, I kept having a feeling that something was drawing me back to Rocky Peak. I was not sure if it was just because I enjoyed the baptismal service so much or for something more. So the following Sunday, I went back with Sarah for the 9 o'clock service, and to my surprise, I found myself enjoying it again. So I quickly filled out the Keep in Touch card that I was interested in a welcome dessert. And within a week, I received a letter inviting me to a welcome dessert at Pastor Mike's and a, and a card to obtain a free Bible. I was so surprised. In these economic times, a church that gives free Bibles... After receiving my Bible that weekend, there was no stopping me. I immediately signed up for Christianity 101. I bought every study book and DVD I could to totally immerse myself in God's Word. 
I signed up for a life group. The past few years have been very difficult ones. I've been on a spiritual journey to help me find some kind of inner peace and fulfillment. I've truly found it at Rocky Peak. I love to arrive at least one hour before the service on Sunday mornings <laughs> when no one is there <laughs> because I, I sense God talking to me when I'm there. Coming to Rocky Peak has been the most rewarding experience. I have so much to learn, and yet there have been times when I get confused by all the information thrown at me, but I have learned to ask for God's help in guiding me. I know there are times that I've taken two steps back and one step forward in my quest. I get impatient, and then I feel this warm feeling go through my body, and I know the Holy Spirit is telling me just to take my time, that God will always be there for me. I look forward to Sundays. We talk with each other, Sarah and I, every day at work about what we're learning. As a matter of fact, since, I sit in each, uh, sit near, since we sit in each other, near each other at work, when we're having one of those stressful weeks, we turn to each other and say, we cannot wait until Sunday comes. <laughs> to be part of this spiritual journey at this time of my life means so much to me, knowing that it's not too late to learn and accept Jesus in your heart. I get so excited every time I read the new scripture I can relate to my life and circumstances. I get joy in just telling everyone I found God in Rocky Peak. To hear my friends praise and support me is even more joyous. I am totally blessed. Isn't that awesome? Hey, not the end of the story. Not the end of the story. Remember I told you when Sarah got baptized, 12 of her family and friends come? This week she told me that five of them now come every week to Rocky P. Isn't that awesome? Are, are you with me in this? Are you with me in this? Inviting people is a key, key step. There comes a point. It doesn't have to be high-handed or awkward like the video. It's just like, hey, if you ever want to come, we'd love to have you. It's all it is. And often that's a key step. We call this whole philosophy invest and invite. Right? We're going to invest in relationships. We're going to love people that God brings in our life. We're going to build friendships, real friendships, not just get them saved friendships. We're going to love people whether they come to Jesus or not. But there's going to come a time, there's going to come a time when they've heard our story. We say, hey, man, why don't you just come and check it out? It's probably different. Than you. I promise you. It's, it's really, it's, it's, it'll, be, it'll be a unique experience if nothing else. And they come, and it gives God a chance to seek real Christianity in action, real Christ followers, right, real word, real worship. And they get to see the body of Christ in action, you see, and it's going to be powerful. Next month, we're going to be doing a series, start a new series. Um, it's called Revealed, and it's, uh, it's a series in the Gospel of John. We're going to go through the Gospel of John together. And it's just going to be awesome as we learn what happens when God comes to town. You know, what happens when the word becomes flesh? What happens when God becomes one of us so we can see what he's really like, right? And so it's going to be an awesome series. But in that series, in chapter 1, there's an awesome story in the early, uh, where the John, who's the apostle, the apostle who writes the book, he talks about the very first time he meets Jesus, the very first week, and he describes it out day by day, what happens each day, day 1, day 2, day 3. And in that story, he talks about, man, how he and his buddy met Jesus, and they were so blown away, they went and told a friend. And then he met Jesus, and he was so blown away. And someone else met Jesus, and they were so blown away. And he went to meet his friend, and his friend was totally skeptical. And his friend's like, no, nothing could come from dead, no, Nazareth. That's like Blythe or something. You know, and, you can, and so he says, and he just doesn't try to argue him into the kingdom. He just says, hey, come and see. You see, and that's why we're working so hard here to create a church of passionate Christ followers that's relevant, that the culture can relate to, 
This church is designed to help us grow as Christ followers, but we're working really hard to do it in a way that the non-believer, never been to church, can come in and get it, just like these people we talked about today. And when they come in, you see, we, we don't have to argue them anymore. We don't have to argue them anymore. The moment she got here, we didn't have to argue anymore. There was something here, right? Something here that she could not explain that I got to come back and check that out, you see? Invest and invite. Number four. The fourth, uh, fourth step in our strategy is to go. And, and in this, I'm talking about global outreach, global ministries. So far, we've talked about local ministries. We, we're going to share our lives. We're going to love people. We're going to invest. We're going to invite. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna draw them here and, and so on. But, but the message of Jesus is not just your local area, but, but to go, right? We're going to reach out. We're going to globally reach the world. And so that's something we want to continue to do. That's always been a high value of this church. We want to continue to do that. But one thing we're going to be doing in the coming years is we're going to be increasingly uh, getting a, a clearer focus in our global ministries. You know, one of the things that happens over time in a church, especially in older churches, I've seen this happen in just kind of, it's like any church, it's any age, uh, that has a kind of missions mindset, is what happens in churches is that over time they get this really kind of wide and odd assortment of missionaries oftentimes. They're, they're, they get this wide You have some missions that you support that are really on fire. They're passionate. Christ for They're growing. They're, they're effective. They're called. They're anointed. God's using them. You have other people that over time you pick up that maybe they got them because they just asked you on a good day or whatever. They asked for support and you didn't know how to say no. There's someone's nephew. There's someone's niece or someone's this or whatever. And so you have this wide assortment of, of, of missionaries, some effective, some not. And what happens, you have all these missionaries, but the whole church, no one really knows who they are. And no one's really connected emotionally to what's going on with what's going on. And so the church is not developing a global mindset because there's no emotional connection to what's happening. And so for the last four years, increasingly, we've been praying that God would direct us in our global outreach, that he would give us three, four, five, something like this, a small number of areas around the world where he's actively on the move and where he's calling us specifically, the church at Rocky Peak, to partner with these uh, areas so that, that we can come alongside, help resource them, send people. We can not only give and not only pray, but we can actually go and, and really uh, get kind of knee deep in that area of the world and expand all our hearts for the world and what God's doing. And so one of the criteria we look for when we're looking for these areas is where's God on the move in a major way, sure. Secondly, where's strong leadership, godly anointed leadership that we believe in, that we can partner with, where, where uh, churches are being planted out of these ministries and the message and the movement is ex expanding. And so over the last four years, we've identified clearly Uganda is one of those areas. And a lot of you have gone. Uganda is one of those areas meet all those criteria. A second area that you're going to probably be hearing more about is Ethiopia. Uh, that increasingly it seems like God is opening up doors there. We're not sure, but we're just taking many steps, but it, we're sending teams the last few years, and God's using our teams in a powerful way, in a really amazing way, to help uh, open this northern province of um, Ethiopia that it, where the gospel of Jesus hasn't gone for 200 years. And through our teams have played a key role in opening up the door there and just tons of people are coming to Christ. Churches are being formed. There's strong leadership in place. Uh, they're just kind of meeting all the criteria. In fact, this very week, we're sending a small group to Ethiopia uh, on our next mission. It's kind of exploring, ministering, ministering the poor, planning churches, and so on. And inside of your weekend's program, there's actually a, a, bullet, a, a bookmark there. I'd ask you to be praying for this mission. It starts this, this week and going for about 10 days. So, um, so Ethiopia looks, is high on our radar. 
Um, we are continuing to pray that God will give us a ministry that fits this criteria in Mexico. It's, it's our closest cross-cultural experience. It's much easier for us to go there than to go to Ethiopia or something. And so we can get more of us involved. And so we've done a lot in Mexico the last few years. You know that. We took 250 people one weekend last year and so on. Uh, we're building houses and sharing Christ and a lot of stuff. But we're not sure we found the right partnership down there yet. So we're continuing to pray for the right partnership that meet the criteria we're looking for. We're also praying that God would show us over time an area locally. Maybe it's San Fernando Valley. Maybe it's uh, uh, inner city L.A. We're not really sure, but we're praying that God would give us some ministry locally for us to really uh, kind of get a more of a global outreach here locally. And so we're going to continue to seek this. But this is our fourth step of our strategy. We're not only going to grow. We're not only going to share. We're not only going to invite here locally, but we're going to continue to expand this uh, expansion throughout the world. Now, um, Last uh, set of questions for you. Where do you stand with this movement? Let's go to the last page. Four quick questions, or three quick questions. Number one, uh, first question is a question I've been asking all day. Uh, are you growing? It always comes back to this. Are you growing in your life? Are you becoming a passionate Christ follower? Is that happening for you? Are, are you falling in love with Jesus? Is he becoming the number one passion in your life to know him, to please him, to love him? That's the first step. And many times we want to take a course in evangelism before we're doing step number one. And so now we're all ready to share, but no one really cares to listen, right? And so we have to become the right kind of people. People are growing, transformed people. Number two, um, as we look to the future, will you invest and invite? I want you to catch this. Our strategy here to reach our world is not large evangelistic meetings. Our primary strategy is not some huge programming thing. Our strategy is you. <laughs> You're the strategy. You're out there. You're in relationship. I believe in this day and age, most people don't come to Christ through large events. Most people come to Christ because they know someone that they believe, that they trust, that they respect, who they can ask questions of and be their link to God. That's the way most people in our culture, not all cultures, our culture, it's different in other places, but our culture, right? And so, so are you willing to invest and love people and just have an honest relationship with people and then be willing to answer their questions and at the right time invite? You see? This is our uh, next question. And number, thir number three, are you willing to go? Um, not all of us will be called to go on a short-term mission to Ethiopia or, or Uganda or Mexico or whatever, but can I tell you something else? Probably a lot of us will. And when you do, this can be one of the most effective ways for you to ex expand your heart for the mission of Jesus to reach the world. Because it's something about getting outside your own culture, your own home or whatever. You see the church of Jesus in another location. You see the movement of Jesus on the move somewhere else. And you come back changed. You come back and see your own world differently. Priorities change. Values change. Passion changes. Because you, you, you've gotten outside of your own, your own scope. To me, this is one of the greatest values of short-term missions. It's not just what we accomplish there. It's what happens in our hearts. And we come back and we become world Christians. We become back with we, we care about the world in a new way. And the way, we, we, the way we, we pray, the way we serve, the way we give, everything changes. We see the movement of Jesus. And so here's the question. If God calls you to go, will you go? Will you go? Right? Now, we're going to wrap up today with a, a video. Uh, some of you probably heard of this. It's a famous comedy magician team. 
um, that they've played in, in Las Vegas forever. They've been on you know, the Today Show, the, the morning shows, the, you know, the, the, the Lettermans, the Lenos, and all those kinds of things. Um, they're uh, a, a, not a Christian uh, <laughs> group by any stretch. Uh, the names are Penn and Teller. Anyone ever heard of Penn and Teller? Okay. Uh, Penn, uh, his name is actually Penn Gillette. Penn is an outspoken atheist. Um, and uh, he does a video blog. And recently had a video blog. He talked about an encounter with a Christ follower that made an impression on him. And, and the reason I'm sharing you is not because the particular methodology he used. I want you to share how this Christ follower came across. I want you to watch that. And, and I want you to, uh, Penn is going to, uh, he's going to raise an incredible question, a powerful question in this blog. So let's, let's cut to the screen. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we'd give those away. He had the the joke book and the and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show. And uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and... Um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And, uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice insane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not 
getting eternal life or whatever. And you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. But this guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, liked your show and so on. And then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And... Uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave you that book. That's all I wanted to say.